Let's see it as we watch the screens. Man, I wonder what it was like to really be to be born in a manger. <laughs> I know, right? I wonder what ever happened to baby Jesus. He grew up. Wait, you're telling me that the baby Jesus from the Christmas story is the same baby Jesus as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. I never really put those two concepts together. Wow. Well, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. He went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. Baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus. Yeah. I, I mean, he grew up. I mean, there's some time in there. You know, he grew up. He, uh, he taught people. He lived a perfect life. He, uh, he died on the cross. He came back to life, you know. Now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> this is really... Okay. I guess I just didn't put two and two together. This is... Whew. <laughs> wow. Merry Christmas, Denver. I guess... We should just try to view Christmas instead of one isolated event and more of an ongoing story about our salvation. Yeah. It's a great idea. Great idea. All right, good to see you're awake. Yeah, we ought to make sure that Christmas isn't just this thing we do once a year and just keep it in the box like we do our trees and our ornaments and all those things, but we understand the fullness, right, of how that connects into the experience of what God was doing and what he achieved for us. And so uh, starting a new series today, and uh, we're going to try to achieve that goal uh, by actually going backwards in time and listening to the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah spoke 700 years before Jesus came into the world. And yet what he says to us really challenges us even today to understand, put it all together, of who this Jesus really is, right? And, and if we understand who he really is, it, it makes us question, well, what difference does that make to us in our lives? And the way Isaiah captured that was to capture it by giving Jesus four titles. He looked forward in time in Isaiah 9, and he prophesied about the one who has come, and he gave that one to come four different names, four different titles. So uh, I'm going to read the first part. When we get to the titles, though, join in, okay? So we all get the four titles. You ready? Here's what Isaiah said. He said, For a child is born to us, the son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are powerful titles, right? Those are amazing titles, amazing names. And we ought to know not only uh, that he has those names, but what those names mean. I mean, who is this one 
who came into the world? Who is this one that we celebrate at Christmas? Who is this one that we say, if we're sold out on him, is Lord of our life? Isaiah, looking 700 years ahead, says, listen, this is who he is. And this is, this is what you've got to deal with. Every day you've got to deal with the reality that he still is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. So we're going to take each of those titles each week and try to understand the importance of them and what they mean for us every day. You with me? So today we'll, of course, talk about uh, Wonderful Counselor. And as we do that, we need to understand the context within which uh, Isaiah is speaking these words. Because while we're at Isaiah 9, chapter 9, he's been speaking a whole lot for eight chapters. The trouble is, in these eight chapters, he's been giving Israel a word of warning. And if you go back just to chapter 8, one chapter before the the prophecy here and the, the word of hope, you go back there, he even says, listen, I'm going to give you a word of warning. And then he defines why he's warning Israel. Okay? Starts out, verse 11. The Lord has given me a strong warning. There's the warning. The the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. What was the problem apparently happening in Israel? They were thinking like the rest of the world like everybody else does. They had forgotten that they were God's own people, and instead they were thinking and they were acting like everybody else in the world. The the kingdom of Israel forgot that it was God's chosen people, God's promised people in God's promised land, God's promised kingdom, and instead they were living like everybody else. And because they were living like everybody else, They had stopped listening to God, and they were listening to everybody else. He says, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes the people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem... He will be a trap and a snare. Why is he going to be a trap and a snare? Because they have refused to understand and listen to who he is. They have refused his guidance. What's happening? What's happening is, as judgment is coming upon the nation of Israel, the nation of Assyria is poised to attack them. And instead of seeking God's guidance... Instead, they're doing what? They're trying to make peace treaties. They're trying to do everything else and talk to other people and get allies to help them in the battle. They're trying to do everything else like all the other nations of the world instead of relying on and listening to the Holy One, their God. And so Isaiah gives them a word of warning. It says, listen, folks, you've you got to stop listening and thinking you're like everybody else. You're not. Your God is the God of the universe, and you are his people. And so the warning comes saying, if you keep doing that, if you keep being like everybody else in the world, you will experience judgment. And the the image he uses is to pull them into contrast with the way God thinks in seeking the counsel of God versus the counsel of others. And so he can even say in verse 19, some, uh, someone may say to you, let's ask the medians and those who consult the spirits of the dead. 
who are they seeking out? They're not seeking out the counsel of God. Instead, they're seeking out... Have you noticed, by the way, how many of these kinds of shops are popping up in our world right now? In our nation right now? Just a little sub-note there. Being like everybody else, seeking the counsel of anybody and anything else except for the counsel of the one true God. That's what Israel was doing. And he gives them an image and says, this is what you're doing. This is, this is what it's like for you, Israel. Look to God's instructions and teachings, exclamation point. People who contradict his word are completely where? In the dark. How many people like walking around in the dark? You know what happens when you walk around in the dark? We all know this, right? If you get up in the morning, like I, Sunday mornings now, I get up really early and it's really dark out there this time of year, right? And I have to make that little trek from my bed to that first light switch, right? And when you walk in, it's just that little trek. But what is the constant fear as you're making that walk? Everybody knows when you walk around in the dark, you are going to stub your toe, right? You're going to bang your shin, Everybody knows this, right? Not anybody has ever had that experience, I can see. I'll admit my sin. It happens to me, yes. So, no, I mean, there's a principle, right? He's trying to give us an image that says, look, it's like walking around. If you're not listening to the right person, if you're like everybody else, listening to all the worldly advice, it's like walking around in the dark. Who wants to do that? See, that's just not the way God's people behave. Then he comes along with chapter 9 and says, that's where you are, but there is a word of hope, right? You may be wandering in the dark right now, but there is a word of hope. And he says, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. You're gonna, yep, they're going to be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. He's giving us a word of hope. He's giving us a word of hope. He's saying what? There's going to be people who walk in darkness, but you don't have to stay there. There's going to be people who choose to walk in darkness and be like the rest of the people of the world, but you don't have to stay there. There is an opportunity coming, he says, where you can walk in the light. And then comes our verse. Then comes our verse. In the midst of the hope of what it means to walk in the light, he says, for, un, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What's Isaiah doing? Isaiah has spoken a word of judgment and said, listen, you can walk, you're walking in the darkness, but you don't have to stay in the darkness because there is one who is coming into the world who will be the light of the world. And then he gives that light four names. And each name tells us something about what it means to be the light of the world. And so we take on the first one. You ready? The first one is... Wonderful Counselor. And if you slice those words up, and just to be, uh, just to be uh, honest here, scholastic, uh, scholarly honest, if you have a translation and you're in the Bible right now and you're looking at Isaiah 9, you may have a translation that has a comma 
between those two words, wonderful counselor. There may be some translations put a comma there and separate them because Hebrew grammar isn't like our grammar, and so there's some debate there. Uh, but we're just going to jam them together and say a wonderful counselor, which is the majority of the translations. That's what the majority of the translations do, just wonderful counselor. Okay? If you have a problem with that, see me later, send me an email. We're just going to jam it together. Okay? There you go. So what does it mean for us? Well, wonderful counselor, what's that title mean? First word is wonderful. That word in the Hebrew is a word that means beyond words or reason. It, it's that Hebrew word that is trying to say, if you were standing at uh, the edge of the Grand Canyon at sunset, could you find the words to describe that moment? Be pretty tough. Be pretty hard, right? And he's saying, listen, that is the same reality when it comes to this one who's coming into the world. This, this, he, he is wonderful beyond words. He, he is amazing. He is incredible. He is indescribably wonderful. He, he can't be contained in his wonder. Are you following? Now, if you think about that, what does it mean? Well, it means that the one who's come into the world, this wonderful counselor, is not just any normal counselor. This wonderful counselor is a counselor who has a wisdom and an understanding beyond anybody else in this world. He has an awareness and a wisdom and a discernment beyond the capabilities of anybody who has ever come into the world. He has a scope of understanding and a breadth and a depth of awareness that is not comparable to anybody who, who has ever existed. He is beyond describable in his discernment and wisdom and understanding. Are you catching it? Think about this. Isaiah is describing for us the light. He is describing for us in the context of saying, stop walking in the darkness, start listening to the guidance of God. And he says, there is one who is coming who is beyond any wisdom and discernment that anybody could ever give to you. And, and if you think about this, the challenge of this is, if you believe right now what Isaiah is saying in describing Jesus, who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to listen to? Do you want to listen to your co-workers who are non-believers? Do you want to listen to family members who have their own axes to grind? Or do you want to go to and listen to the counsel and the wisdom of the one who is immeasurable, indescribable, whose understanding and depth is beyond that of anybody or anyone who ever has or ever will exist, who are you going to talk to? That's the question. You see, a lot of us settle for living and listening to the advice of everybody else in this world. And Isaiah is saying, stop doing that and start listening to what is absolutely, indescribably wonderful in its wisdom and discernment. Get out of the dark and move into the lights. 
because there is one who has the capability and understanding and depth of reason that nobody else can have in this world. See, a lot of times things happen to us and we say, why? As if somehow we ought to know. As if somehow we need to know. If you follow the scriptures and you go to Amos, Amos says, listen, this is the one he's talking about. He's the one who shaped the mountains, who stirs up the winds, and he'll reveal his thoughts to mankind on his own terms, in his own ways. He turns the dawn into darkness, and he treads on the heights of the earth, and he's the Lord God of heaven's armies, right? He is indescribably beyond discernment in his wisdom and understanding. And you just need to trust he knows what he's doing. So you can get the experience of Jesus in John 11, where he displays exactly what Isaiah is talking about. Now, he said what? He understands more discernment and wisdom than we could ever get, right? So we get the experience in John 11 where Lazarus gets sick. You know the story of Lazarus when he got sick, right? So Lazarus gets sick. They send word to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, your good friend is sick. Jesus heard about this. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. What's going on? He is right in front of our eyes displaying the wisdom and discernment he has that is beyond reason and understanding for the rest of us. Anybody who was in that experience would have said to Jesus, what? Jesus, you don't get it. You, you, you're not understanding it. Jesus, you're, you're not thinking straight here because Jesus, you got to know, Lazarus is dying. And word finally came. Jesus, you missed your moment, man. You blew it because Lazarus is now dead. But what does Jesus do? He displays a wisdom and an understanding of what is happening in that moment beyond the reason and capability of anybody else that existed in that moment. Isn't that right? He understands what nobody else could get, what nobody else could understand in that experience. Jesus understands. And he acts in a way according to that understanding, and he achieves the purpose for which God sent him into the world to achieve. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? Because Isaiah is telling you, Jesus is showing you, and exclamating everything I'm saying in that very moment, in case you miss it, wisdom blob there, right? Whatever that is. But, you know, I mean, think think about this. Who could do that? Is there a counselor today with that kind of wisdom? The answer is no. And there's great counselors. Not knocking counseling, not knocking all that stuff, but there's nobody that expresses the wisdom that Jesus
Can we go behind the tree? <laughs> I'm feeling a little uncomfortable here. There we go. Okay. Bearing it all. Here we go. And even in the midst of that, there's wisdom somewhere for you. I'm sure you're going to get it when you get home or on the drive, right? <laughs> but, it, but there is wisdom in that, right? God works in his wisdom, his way, regardless of us, right? But it, so, so there's nobody like it, okay? So next point. His wisdom is always going to work toward a purpose. I want you to think about this. Would you go seek the counsel of those non-believer co-workers or whoever else is trying to tell you what to do in your life? Are they really telling you what's best for you or are they telling you what they think is best for them in light of their relationship to you? Are they telling you the honest of what's really best for you? Do they, do they have any depth of understanding in the scheme of eternity of what's best for you? Jesus does. When he counsels, the counselor part, he, he's not a modern-day counselor. There's great modern-day counselors, all good about counseling, not knocking that at all. But this is just a different deal. The Hebrew word that's used there is used for a counselor. It's the counselor the king would bring in when he was preparing for battle. And he'd bring his counselors together. And what was the goal of that experience of bringing his counselors together? To put together a battle plan to achieve what? victory over his enemies. This is the counselor. This is the counselor Isaiah is talking about. He's saying, listen, he is going to counsel and give guidance into your life according to what is the absolute best in your life to achieve the purpose for which God created you. He's not going to give you just any counsel. He's going to give you counsel that advances the presence of God in your life and the purposes of God in your life. So Jesus walks on water and he feeds 5,000 people and he goes to a synagogue and he says, listen, I am the bread of life. And the folks go, whoa, whoa, that's pretty heavy, man. That's really big. And, and by the end of it, you get on to verse 63 here. Jesus says to them, listen, I know this is tough, but you've got to understand, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are what? Spirit and this is what he speaks to us. This is what he wants to speak into your life. This is the guidance he wants to give. He wants to give you guidance. It isn't, this is this wisdom beyond measure. And it is spirit and life that is going to move your life in the direction that will accomplish God's purposes in your life. He's going to give you direction that will accomplish what God can do in you and through you. And the experience goes on in John 6. Some of them have a hard time with that. Finally turns to his disciples and says, listen, do you want to leave me too? 68, what? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words that give eternal life. What do his words give? It's a a life you can't get anywhere else. It's a guidance you can't get anywhere else. Why? Because the psalmist is absolutely true. The psalmist said, the Lord says, I will guide you along the what? Best along the best pathway for your life. You see, he has a wisdom and discernment beyond measure, and that wisdom and discernment and guidance is absolutely wonderful, but he is ready to pour that into you for your purposes, for your life, 
for your abundant existence, for your ability to be the person that God knows you can be, wants you to be, and is ready to help you become. Now, here's the hard part. If you're going to receive that word this morning, there's three things at least you've got to do. If you believe and receive that Jesus is exactly who Isaiah says, he is the wonderful counselor, then you've got to be ready for something. Three things. You ready? You've got to be ready to face the truth in your life. See, sometimes we like listening to the advice of everybody else in the world because it allows us to avoid the real tough stuff in our life. We like listening to the advice of everybody else in the world because they tell us what we want to hear. And God's Word doesn't always tell us what we want to hear. It tells us what we need. It tells us what's going to make our life abundant. It tells us what's going to move our life in God's purposes, but it's not always what we want to hear. And some of us need to just step back and face the truth in our life. We need to admit some truths in our life. Like, no, it's not just a habit. It's an addiction you've got to deal with. Like, no, your marriage just isn't having trouble for a little while. You need to seek some counsel and help in your marriage. And no, your kid's not just kind of quirky. He's got some issues that need to be dealt with. Do you understand? You've got to face some truths. Because the wonderful counselor, he doesn't tell you just what you want to hear. He faces the truth. We saw it in John 4 with Jesus. He's at the, at the well. A woman comes up to him. They have a dialogue. He offers her what? Living water. And before she can receive the living water, he has to expose the truth in her life. It's in John 4. Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. She's lying. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And he spoke to her what? The truth. Truth. See, if you're going to have the wonderful counsel really working in your life, it means you've got to be ready to face truth. You've got to just be ready to face truth. Second, you've got to listen to the counselor. You stop listening to all these other voices in the world and all these other things. You don't need to turn on Oprah anymore except for the entertainment, okay? Because there's lots of voices out there trying to tell you stuff. There's only one voice of ultimate wisdom that's going to speak for your benefit. And stop listening to all that and start listening. When Jesus was up in the mountain and the cloud came over him and the voice came out of the cloud, what did the voice say? It said, look, this is the one. This is my dear son. And do what? Listen to him. Him. Listen to him. You've you got to be ready to listen. You've got to get yourself in those environments where God can speak to you clearly and directly. You've got to start meeting in a small group with God's people. You've got to start being in the Word on a regular basis. You've got to keep, make sure you're coming to church, not just one Sunday a month. But you've got to be here every week. You've got to get in that place where you are putting yourself in a position to hear what God has to say, to pour that counsel and that discernment and wisdom into your life. Third thing, hardest part. You ready? Hardest thing. You've got to do what the counselor says. You've got to do it. You've got, you got to be able to put yourself at the disposal of Jesus Christ and let him take over your life. And you've got to do what he says. There's a rich guy who came to Jesus and said, Listen, boy, I want to follow you. I want to just follow you wherever you go, Jesus. 
And Jesus says to them, boy, that sounds really great, but you lack one thing. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And this made the man's face fall, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. What was his issue? He was in that moment to decide, is he going to do what the counselor says? you got to do what the counselor says. Not what everybody else says. Remember, that's where he started today. What was the problem with Israel? They were listening to what everybody else says and not listening to the guidance of the one true God. When we listen to the guidance of the one true God, then we get a wisdom and a discernment that is beyond measure and is totally for our purposes and our benefit to live the life he wants us to have. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being that kind of wonderful God, that kind of counselor who's ready to just not be distant, but be with us in Jesus and to let him be that wonderful counselor. So, Lord, we pray today, uh, help us to receive him in all his fullness and to stop listening to all the other things in our life, but instead focus in on this incredible gift of your son, Jesus, that he's not just a baby that came in a manger, But he grew up to be a man, and he grew up to be a savior, and he grew up to live in this room and be in our hearts. And so help us to put it all together. Help us to put it all together and just to be and listen to what he has to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.